1: Hello and welcome to the podcast today, everyone. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast focuses on the ever-changing world of IT and how to navigate the evolutions that have occurred in recent times. And joining me for this conversation today is Jason Carlin. He is the Chief Innovation Officer for Flexential. Jason, thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thanks, Tyler. Happy to be here.
1: Excellent. Well, you know, like I mentioned, this has been a, a rapidly evolving space right now, and one of the areas that we've really seen um, grow in importance over recent years, and then especially recent months, has been the importance of network. Right. So, talk to me a little bit more about the importance of network and how you've seen it increased recently.
0: Well, I know certainly um, in my own life, the the importance of my last mile connection to, to the cable to the cable company is uh, strained. I think every single day as I compete with my. Uh, my kids and my family to actually get work done but the you know the network is has been become sort of a, a very crucial uh, platform during this time um, we think about how we've been able to you know whether it's food delivery or either, you know ordering food whether it's getting groceries whether it's you know getting our our prescriptions refilled and so forth we've just really navigated to you know, the platform that's really powered by the network, um, you know, is something that has, has kind of saved us during this time. And I think frankly, just accelerates a lot of change in the future and in, in how much we kind of count on this being, you know, rarely available and highly available, you know, it's an area like 5G really helps is, is by providing, you know, different types of connectivity that can support, you know, network centric use cases, which I think are, are really at the heart of, of anything that we're doing in the future.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And it, just from my perspective, and as I said, I mean, you can correct me if you think that this is a, an incorrect statement, but it feels like one of the enduring lessons um, for businesses that have come out of this pandemic has been the importance of agility and adaptability, right? So what kind of tools have you seen uh, come available when it comes to IT that have really helped businesses adapt to the current climate and, and what they've had to work through as, as we sit here during the era of, uh, of COVID-19?
0: Well, the first big shift that I think occurred for for probably everybody in in March was really at least the United States was a shift from you know going to an office to to remote right and to being to being home. Um, you know, we we just had our customer advisory council a couple of weeks ago and and asked you know some of our top. Clients you know very similar questions, and you know just there there are some very basic things, like do you have a good chair? <laughs> um, <laughs> do you actually have more than one monitor or do you have any monitors at at, at all at home? Um, so there's the physical aspect of that accommodation and being able to uh, have the employee experience kind of top of mind so that they can actually be productive in in these remote scenarios. Um, the second is really the, you know, g- goes back to the network, which, you know, having access to uh, VPNs, having access to your technology, laptops, et cetera, all became very, you know, very critical during, you know, during this time and and had some customers do very rapid expansions with uh, their VPN platforms and, and things like Global Protect from from Palo Alto and others that that could help scale, you know, kind of this rapid shift from an office location with really great you know, circuits and, and dedicated networking to really remote and, and home. You know, I think the agility part of this is, is really huge just as we continue to adopt and adapt, you know, the ability to, to change. Um, you know, there was a, a great story about the the New York, you know, public school system, which you think about the density of New York and being able to educate, you know, students, which is, you know, required by law to, to provide an education. And, um, you know, they actually had to ship out uh, Verizon MiFis to to all their students. They were locked down only to the school network and locked down to uh, applications supported by the the school and and learning management system. But it became a way for them to provide, you know, network connectivity and very remote or, or in this case, very high density and just not great, you know, great network connectivity.
1: Absolutely. So uh, tell me a little bit more about next generation technologies and the impact that they have had during this time, whether it's co-location or interconnection or hybrid cloud and edge computing strategies. Kind of talk me through um, those next generation technologies and, and what they've been able to, uh, to provide for businesses during this time.
0: Flexential is a, a data center platform that has been networked together Ah, uh, to provide interconnect between all of our facilities, as well as the the largest networks on the planet, peering locations, carrier, you know, hotels, cloud connectivity, and really provides a, a network fabric that allows you know customers to sort of take the network and and make it a competitive advantage. We also provide cloud services and professional services on top of of that infrastructure, so that customers can kind of pivot between you know their needs in, in co-location, which often are driven by demands in a location, and I'll come back to that in just a second, um, to, to cloud, which you know, cloud traditionally has been a little bit more centralized. You think about Amazon and, and Microsoft, they typically run their cloud platforms in um, a few locations across the country, and so latency kind of is this, the speed of light, right? Which, you know, my joke is that Stephen Hawking's, you know, unfortunately passed away, I think a couple of years ago, but, but didn't solve speed of light. So we're still, <laughs> we're still garnered by speed of light, you know, as an issue in applications. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we get more, more devices on the network, as we get more content that we're generating ourselves, and I think um, there's a statistic where, where YouTube, you know, today it was probably about a year ago, there's about three hundred hours of content generated every minute on top of the YouTube platform. So if you go do the math of that and you just think about how much video content that is. And that's just YouTube. Now take, you know, Facebook, Periscope, you know, Twitter, mm-hmm. all the other, you know, TikTok, et cetera, and you just think about how much data that we're creating. Now some of that data is is throwaway, right? It's for entertainment value, even though there's I think, you know, there seems to be a lot of people making millions of dollars off their YouTube channels. But, you know, that isn't necessarily business critical data. What is business critical data is things like, you know, video and telemetry and LIDAR to make sure that your manufacturing floor is safe and secure. Or maybe it's making sure that your campus, um, that you have school or that you've got a sporting event is safe and secure or your uh, r- railway platform flying across the country, and you've got positive train control and all these regulations to make sure that your train platform is following the right, you know, the right safety rules, but also being able to do some real-time monitoring to make sure, you know, if that poor cow that's that's on the railway track, you know, a, a mile ahead, that that's something that you can detect very, very quickly and get that data back to the train, but also get that data outside the train. These are applications that are very latency sensitive. So when you think about, Things that are moving, or things that are sort of you know closely tied in together to the location and where that data is being consumed, and, and that positive control, mm-hmm. you don't want that positive control to take, you know, seconds for you to get that feedback. That ha- that feedback has to be within sub you know sub millisecond feedback to be able to stop you know activities. So you can prevent you know safety issues. And I think that's that's really a, a great use case of, of looking at latency and why Edge plays such a really important part on changing the dynamics of the of the platform. So instead of having all these centralized cloud platforms and these data centers that are in relatively few locations, the edge will be in, in millions of locations that allow us to consume services you know, quite differently than we consume today, but also, you know, start to count on them even more. Autonomous vehicles is another great example of this, probably uh, used, you know, maybe too often, because I, I know for a fact that car isn't gonna make a call over the network to figure out whether it needs to stop or not. It's, it's something that has to be embedded in the car itself. But the network plays a huge role in in keeping the car's software up to date, Understanding, you know, farther down the road, what's happening in a mapping, you know, a mapping condition or a street condition. Um, and then also communicating between vehicles to get a better sense of, of what is happening on the street. Those systems all have to work together to be able to give you, you know, that self-driving experience because otherwise it just wouldn't be safe to go do it. And that's really what edge kind of powers.
1: So, what have been some successful use cases where you've seen solutions deployed in a way that have been extremely effective during this time? Be it, you know, uh, increased use of, uh, you know, of new video chat tools or, or things along those lines. Have you seen some successful use cases, particularly, you know, healthcare or something along those lines?
0: Yeah, we've we've definitely have. Um, you know, we've got a couple of customers that um, I've spoken to recently. One one's a CEO of a of, of a mental health, uh, a bunch of mental health clinics. Um, and his comments were, look, I've actually been able to see all my patients in the last couple of months, mm-hmm. rather than them getting stuck in traffic or trying to find a parking spot because of really the ability to, to use telehealth. And I think it will just become very common for us to to use that as a you know just our day-to-day technology you know i know for my own family we're getting very used to it it's like well why would i why would i spend time at the doctor office if i don't need to um we have another customer that that went from about 70 to 100 sessions in a month and they're a a large you know cancer cancer center um here in the united states and um, you know now they're doing over four thousand a month in telehealth visits so i really think it's a way to one certainly reduces cost structure in, you know, hospital systems and, and, and care, which I think is an important um, area. And then I think, you know, two, it just becomes, you know, more efficient that we can uh, be able to, to you know, pull specialists in, you know, very dynamically and get you know, expertise that, you know, typically would have been you know, something that had to be scheduled far in advance. I think it just makes it much more dynamic. And then you kind of add to that this growing idea of the internet of things, right you know, having more smart devices that can do, you know, more data collection at the home or or at the person, you know, thinking about kind of the Apple Watch and the next generation of that, you know, the current generation can already, you know, kind of tell you whether you're having a heart attack or not. Um, Being able to extend that, you know, to even, you know, more data like temperature and things like that will really give us a rich kind of tapestry of of data that can be constantly collected and frankly, intertwines with this telehealth platform and becomes something that we just didn't have really in the past, which was, Kind of constant monitoring of what's going on.
1: Yeah, you've mentioned 5G and IoT just uh, th- throughout the course of this conversation. I'm curious, what role you see 5G and IoT playing moving forward? Uh, you know, how how much more robust can those tools really be to uh, to aid in in connectivity and in creating these robust solutions like what you're mentioning?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the industry has a tendency to focus a lot on on speed, right? On on 5G. Um which is i you know i think is great and certainly a, a an enabler for a lot of different experiences like you know spending some time on on you know sports and entertainment you know that's a, an industry that has been trying to figure out how do we you know how do we get more fans engaged and um you know certainly now with with the games being you know done kind of in isolation, that fan experience becomes you know really critical you know at the at the stadium or the ball field it becomes very critical to have the network because that fan experience is is sort of going from live what's going on in the field to the announcer that's you know in the field of play to the screens that are in the field to something that is now intertwined into your mobile device but without something like 5G your mobile device can't really be part of that be part of that program just because the the latency of the old cellular network is is roughly 40 to 50 milliseconds of time mm-hmm versus the the new 5G network is about five milliseconds. So it really um, radically changes the uh, ability to kind of tie real-time data into the device, into the field of play, which I think creates a very dynamic fan experience. That's one use case for 5G. And I think you know the other great thing about 5G is that it does support just a lot more devices. And that's kind of a factor of um, the way the radio technology works, but also because there are more towers out there supporting 5G and supporting the fiber rollouts. So that number of devices that it can support uh, it becomes radically important when thinking about IOT and how many you know smart devices or um, simple sensors can be deployed, you know register themselves to the network and, and really provide kind of this always on data access that you know can tell you, you know really just about anything, whether you're you know a farmer in the middle of you know Iowa or Minnesota trying to understand the weather conditions you know, within this small segment of your farm, mm-hmm. you know, that data has to go somewhere. But that data now collected kind of always on gives you this sort of, you know, rich set of resources that you can start to make some real time decisions. And then along comes, you know, machine learning, right, which we didn't really, you know, while it's been something we've talked about for for 30 years, hasn't really been in the mainstream, you know, neural networks have existed for, for you know, 30 years. But, you know, again, the the, the horsepower of the the compute hardware, the GPUs just really hasn't been there for it to, to make sense and for it to be as robust. Now, now we have all the horsepower we need to sort of take, take all that data, start to train it and discover it with machine learning and AI apps. And now, you know, can really generate some new business models and, and really change the way that, um, you know, we consume that technology.
1: So as we talk about these types of solutions, I think one of the primary concerns is going to be security, right? So how can you help speak to those concerns and and maybe ease concerns for people that that are going to be concerned about security? Like when we talk about healthcare applications, there's HIPAA to take into account, right? And so um, there's always going to be those concerns around data and um, and things like that. So how can you speak to those concerns?
0: First of all, there's, you know, security isn't perfect and and never will be, right? It's Mm -hmm. it's sort of why the the industry calls it either defense in depth or I used to call it the security onion. You kind of just keep peeling away at it and you hope to have these multiple sort of reinforcing technologies um, and processes and governance and things like that that can come to play to make you know to make it secure um or to help make it secure. You know, the the 5G network itself is is built on you know very high security standards, you know FedRAMP level, federal, you know, FISMA level um requirements versus, you know, you think about the Wi-Fi network, you know, the Wi-Fi network, which is sort of gearing up to kind of you know shift into Wi-Fi six, Wi-Fi six has a bunch more new security standards um related to it. But you know, Wi-Fi is is still relatively insecure. It's why most companies, for their business uh, work, require you to be connected to a VPN because it provides you know an additional layer of encryption on top of that. You know the good thing with the five G network is it's sort of that is built into it, right? And so that security model isn't you know isn't as as um, concerning. That doesn't mean that devices don't still have to be secure and that applications have to be secure. When it comes to HIPAA, you know it'd be it'd be great that we could actually. You know, just like our, our ATM cards or just like our credit cards, if we could have sort of full control of our health record mm-hmm. and know who's using it and know and know what's going on. And you know, I think we'll eventually get there because, you know, really we should we should have to approve or authorize, you know, really people to go get that information kind of within our own control. Today it's it's there are just a lot of different standards um, and proprietary standards in the way Um, medical records and and health data is stored. You know, a good thing we do have HIPAA that I think provides some ability to to keep the ownership of it, uh, you know, sort of contained. But, you know, frankly, we don't have a lot of visibility into sometimes how that data is being used, which, you know, can be a little scary. Right. For the most part, you know, larger companies and and how they use that data for research and things like that, they're anonymizing the data. So it's not tied back to the individual. But, you know, definitely uh, an area of concern. And I think, frankly, plays in a little bit to, when we've got IoT and kind of our health data and our health our health data collection a little bit more distributed it's an area that we've got to make sure that we're taking a look at
1: mm. it feels like things have been in such a rapid state of flux and and you mentioned uh, that example of of telehealth visits and how um, they've really exploded, and, and especially you know you, you mentioned the example of your family where it's made so much sense and it, it's worked so well that it's hard to imagine going back to the previous way of doing things. Um, and, and you can see the benefits of that. You can see the benefits of telehealth, be it you know not having to leave your house, uh, not having to sit in a waiting room with uh, potentially <laughs> other sick people, things like that. that right. That's a, that's a solution that seems to make a lot of sense, and you can really see that enduring beyond just this this pandemic time. What other changes and evolutions do you see that you think this makes sense moving forward regardless of if we're in a pandemic or not?
0: Well, the other, uh, you know, kind of area that, that at least we were, you know, watching um, sort of within our own company dynamics and how our customers were using our platforms, but also, you know, just looking at the industry is, is cloud, right? So, mm. you know, we've kind of gone from, you know, this, this idea of cloud first, you know, say five or six or seven years ago where, you know, you, you you didn't get fired if you're using Amazon to something that is becoming, I think, a little bit more cloud smart, just as people have gotten used to the you know, what are the good things about public cloud? What are the bad things about public cloud? And certainly the acceleration of cloud usage over the course of the last few months is very understandable because, you know, people people needed more capacity and they needed capacity and in, in areas that they couldn't predict you know zoom is a great example of you know what i think they went from 5 million sessions a day to 200 million sessions a day you know, there's no <laughs> way you could do that with traditional infrastructure you had to be on cloud to be able to power that now with you know let's just say zoom settles into 100 100 million sessions a day as kind of their new run rate well they don't need all that gear that they had for 200 now they only need 100 so being able to right size is is really important and i think that's an area that that we see a lot of our customers still um, wanting a lot of help in, which is like, look, how can I right size my cloud environment um, to make sure that the costs aren't getting out of control or making sure that I don't introduce a security you know issue um, and sort of mixing the the colocation, the private cloud capabilities and public cloud together, which is really what the definition of hybrid would be. So I, I think you know really the the if anything, you know during this time, we've kind of gotten used to. Uh, having massive resources kind of at our fingertips, kind of an API call away, but also you know making sure that we can do that safely and securely, you know, is as critical today as it as it ever you know, ever has been.
1: As we start to wrap up, Jason, what should companies be considering when developing a network strategy um, over the next one to two years or so? Just maybe as they they consider what has been taking place, where where should they start when it comes to developing what that network strategy should be moving forward? Uh, What kinds of things should they be considering? What factors should they take into account?
0: Great, great question. I um, you know, I think the, you know, the Achilles heel of, of the network, unfortunately, is the last mile, you know, for any of, of you had at home, you know, that have dealt with, you know, issues with cable or DSL or whatever, <laughs> you know, um, life kind of stops when the network isn't isn't functioning. Right. And so I think whether it's an office, whether it's, you know, assuming that you're going to be in this mixed mode. Um, structure where you've got employees that are working from home and and working from um, the office probably for the next you know couple of years you know I'm not entirely sure whether we ever get back to normal with with everybody kind of uh, having a seat at an office you know I think I think that last mile connectivity is is hugely important and I I would be looking at you know is you know, 5G site to site something that you can that you can use in your office to add some redundancy. I would look at you know 5G and LTE and and you know kind of having a backup plan. Um, and there's a lot of great you know routing technologies and SD WAN you know platforms out there today that can take advantage of both cellular data and and landline data. You know just making sure that you've got you know in your in your BCP your business continuity plan and that you've you've sort of taken the steps to make sure that you've you've got the the best network you can have because I think ultimately the services that you're uh, counting on every single day are consumed over that network. You know, it's something that we do every day for customers that are in our in our data centers is we, you know, we manage that network 24 by 7. You know, we shift carriers when we see an issue with with one carrier or another, but that's just not possible when you're, you know, at home or a branched office that mm-hmm. doesn't have as much robustness built in. So I, I definitely would be, you know, looking at, you know, how can I use 5G kind of to my advantage here as it continues to roll out?
1: Absolutely. Jason Carlin, Chief Innovation Officer for Flexential. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your expertise in this world of IT as uh, as things are rapidly changing and evolving and as uh, as the, the rate of adoption for, uh, for these technologies has certainly accelerated during this time. So, Jason, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today.
0: Thanks, Tyler. Definitely exciting times, for sure.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And thank you, everybody, for joining us uh, here on the podcast. Uh, we hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed bringing this podcast episode to you. Of course, make sure you subscribe to get more episodes just like this, and uh, you can also go back and listen to previous episodes of the podcast right here as well. Well, we will be back soon with more episodes of the podcast. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.